Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take Podcast. We are back again to talk about the world of hockey, to talk about our, our favorite sport that we all love, the great world of stick puck and the Stanley Cup playoffs, of course, that are currently ongoing. In today's show, we will be talking about everything playoff-related. There were, oh, there were also some uh, stories from non-playoff teams that are rather interesting today. <clears throat> Islanders uh, that we'll talk about plenty uh, as the show progresses. But first and foremost, the fellas are back here with me. It's it's the it's the triumvirate of hockey power. I don't know. Endo Mills, how you doing today? I'm doing all right. Um, <laughs> I'm just chilling. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a Tuesday. I almost thought it was a Monday because we recorded the last podcast on a Monday, I think. But yeah, I'm just I'm just vibing. How you doing? I am doing quite well. We uh, we continued our NHL 2K10 adventures last night. Some uh, some great moments there. That'll start being uploaded to the second channel very very soon. Look at that. Uh, I still don't want to talk about my MLB The Show struggles because oh, <laughs> that was that was a time. But we always have 2K10 to fall back on. As Sin knows, the master of the backhand, as you will all see if you haven't been following on Twitch. Sometimes, Sin, at least, sometimes. I'd ask you how you're doing, but I know one, computer troubles, two, you've been sick. You're getting put through the ringer, buddy. Yeah. But you're still here, and I appreciate you. Yeah, no, it's a lot. I'm on a completely... I'm using my laptop, actually. I have three computers, which is a little over the top, but yeah. Using my laptop here because my PC, unfortunately, one of the, uh, the, ja- the headphone jack... Something broke off in it. There's just something stuck in there, so it's it not usable. Uh, there you go. Yeah, that's when I'm now, over my stuff. Like, I hate using the headphone jacks on the computers. So what I'll do is I'll use um, I'll use like the one in my mic, or I'll use a USB one just to have it in there. I ha- I hate it because like I that happens way too much to me, and it's too much of a hassle to get in there and dig it out. Yeah. Yeah. Computer troubles aside, we are here. We are ready to talk about some hockey. Before we get down to business, of course, as always, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped. You can use code Toogie at checkout for 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping when you use the code Toogie at checkout. Manscaped, the best tools for the job. Treat yourself right, especially heading into these beautiful summer months. It's already May. How the hell is that? It is May 10th as we're recording this. Yes. Don't know yeah. how the hell that happened. My girlfriend, who is a school teacher, has like a month left of school, which is nuts. Don't know how that happened. Summer vacation's the best, though. Uh, <laughs> fuck them kids. Yeah. I want to be able to hang out with my girlfriend for more than a few hours a day. Thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, God. And Manscaped makes sure uh, they make sure that I look my best for the summer months as well. Uh, we've always said, head to toe, they get you covered. Doesn't matter. You can shave your head with whatever you want from Manscaped. The, the nose and the ears here. They got you covered. Your face, your sack, whatever you need covered, Manscaped's got you. Go Toogie. 20% off. Free worldwide shipping. Circular deodorant. Spherical. That for Endo Mills. Look at that. It's spherical. <laughs> oh, God. Endo what improved. was it? The Cylindrical. What was it? <laughs> Well, well, so the show. What was it on Drake and Josh back in the day? The Game Sphere. Yeah. As their like fake PlayStation Xbox console. Oh, it's spherical. It's beautiful. God, what a show! Uh, buy a Game Sphere if you can. 
go ahead, do it. And uh, code Tuggy, Manscaped, you know the deal. Uh, so to get down to business today, uh, no viewer questions because we flat out do not have the time. There is way too much to talk about. We'll see what happens in the second show of the week this Friday uh, because some of the other series might be done. Of course, there's only one series that has officially ended. But before that, uh, throughout this podcast, right now, uh, we're recording a little bit later, which is rather beneficial because the draft lottery is happening tonight. And throughout, or kind of in the middle or towards the end of the show, we will be able to talk about the results of the draft lottery and the implications that that will have. Of course, there are a lot of picks in play that could be staying with teams or going uh, based off of the, you know, uh, the, the wording in the trades, the, uh, God, lottery protected picks. There we go. That's the word that I'm looking for. Uh, and, of course, the the rules have changed. There are no longer, uh, you know, the three picks really up for grabs. It's just the one and the two in terms of the picks that are up for grabs. So it certainly does favor a team like the Montreal Canadiens, who do have the best odds at 18.5% of winning the lottery. So again, we'll see what happens with that later on in the show. And of course, by the time this stuff you guys will already know, which is perfectly fine. It's in. Yes. Oh, I didn't even. I I knew the rules had changed a bit, but you can't like move up to like five or three anymore. Like the most a team can move up now, I do believe, is ten spots. No, I get that, but you were saying like only the one and two are are. Yeah. So now that third overall pick is no longer being. There's no longer an individual lottery for that pick. Oh, so like the sharks could only the sharks could technically move up to two, but they can't move up to three. Is what you're saying? Yes. That's so fucking weird. That's so. That's con- so I believe. I believe that's correct. Yes. That's very. It's like very every weird. time there's a top talent, they change the rules a little bit so it's more skewed. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there were two lottery drawings, one for the number one pick, one for the number two. Once the top two uh, picks have been established, clubs will be slotted in the order of their finish in the regular season. Additionally, teams can only move up ten selections if it wins one of the lottery draws. Only the top 11 teams in the lottery are eligible to receive the number one pick. Oh. So San Jose is 11th. So the Sharks could. could, Oh. So the Sharks could get the number one pick or the number two, but they will not move up to number three. Okay. And then, and if, if, okay. So, okay. So, So for example, I I get it now. um, (laughs) Number 12, Columbus, Islanders 13, Jets 14, Canucks 15, Vegas Golden Knights 16 uh, cannot. Get the number one overall pick in this lottery. Yeah. So, uh, doing more to try and stop teams like New Jersey from moving up from 13th overall, which I don't hate in a sense. Um, it's it's That's just a constant debate and argument on where you put, um, you know, the importance on anti-tanking yeah. versus rewarding teams that just happen to be bad because there is a difference between tanking and like, hey, we need to be bad right now. Our time is done. Strip it down. We're bad. We're trying to build up. Yeah. Like, there is a difference. It's a fine line, but there is a difference. So, again, we'll have our lottery uh, results a little bit later on, uh, and we'll see again what happens. Because, like I said, there are some picks that uh, could change hands as well based off of the results of this. Uh, for example, the uh, Chicago pick uh, that came over to Columbus in the Seth Jones trade. Uh, If Chicago gets one of the top two picks, uh, Chicago would keep it, and instead uh, Columbus would get a first-round pick next year. Mm -hmm. If it's not a top-two pick for Chicago, the Blue Jackets have another first-round pick this year, which 
they're looking damn good already as it is. Yeah. So, uh, but to segue, I said uh, they're looking damn good. The opposite end of the spectrum would be this team that I think we can now officially label as in the mud. The New York Islanders yesterday announced that they have, let's be honest, they'll put relieved of his duties. They fired Barry Trotz, arguably, at all times, the best head coach in the league. At the very least, top three. If you want to put him top five, maybe. That is a top five coach, bare minimum, in the NHL. And they fired him after a down year where they had, what, like a 13-game road trip to start the season. Bunch of injuries, so on and so forth. And <sighs> General Manager Lou Lamorello. Now, a reminder here. Lou Lamorello is an old, old man. Awesome. I'm not being ageist. When I say that, but what I am saying is that over time, the landscapes, uh, the landscape of sport changes. Yeah. And what used to work no longer works. Lou Lamorello has not built a Stanley Cup team in the salary cap era. We are coming up on 20 years since the salary cap was implemented. And you could argue a lot of his success comes down to the style at the time, which would be the trap game and the fact that you had one of the best goalies of all time, Martin Brodeur, between the pipes as well. So, for me, I look at that, and then I look at his statement of saying, and I quote, Did I consult with anyone on the decision to let go of Trotz? The answer is no. Did I speak to the players on this decision? No. I would never even consider thinking of anything like that. You didn't talk to anybody else. You didn't talk to the players. You just fired him because. He woke up and because. said, I'm going to press the button. There's a big button on my desk. It says fire. And it just <sighs> done. This is a coach in Barry Trotz, who, of course, came over as a Stanley Cup winning coach from the Washington Capitals turned this Islanders team from the worst defensive team in hockey into the best in one season. One season. And you have fired him because they missed the playoffs this year with a 37-35 and 10 record. Wasn't even still this, 500. This... <laughs> This being fresh off of the back of three straight playoff appearances. Uh, the 2017-18 Islanders did not make the playoffs with head coach Doug Waite. <laughs> Remember that, Islanders fans? Shudder oh, to boy. think. They made the playoffs three straight years in a row. Uh, they lost to the Hurricanes in the second round in 2019. Of course, went to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2020. And went to the semifinals. Uh, again, technically, what kind of would have been the Eastern Conference Finals. Again, yeah, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, and they fired him. Two straight Conference Finals appearances. Granted, last year wasn't technically a Conference Finals appearance because of the way the, leagues, or the, the way the league was structured. Yeah. Uh, uh, pff, man, 
Islanders fans, like, this might work out. It might. Maybe you bring in a more offensive-oriented coach, and it kind of opened things up. But at the same time, look at the construction of this team and how it's been built as a defense, physical, old-school, Lou Lamorello-style team. Ross Johnston is signed for four more seasons at $1.1 million. Yeah. Matt Martin has two years left at $1.5 million. Casey Sezikis has God knows how many years left. He has five years left at $2.5 million. Uh, Cal Clutterbuck has two years left at one seven five. recently re-signed. Uh, Kyle Palmieri, three years left at $5 million. This is a team that is constructed to play a Lou Lamorello style of hockey that is likely only to succeed under a coach like Barry Trotz. They had a goalie in Ilya Sorokin, who is likely, and we'll talk about the the three finalists, likely not getting the respect that he deserves in the Vesna conversation uh, for how good he was. He had a 925 uh, save percentage this season. This is a rather poorly constructed team that had a great coach, and you took that great coach away to take some of the blame away from you? That's the only way I can view it. Like, you know, you have a bad season where you don't make the playoffs. Most logical people are looking at the challenges the Islanders had to overcome in the first month and a half, two months of the season. Maybe the illogical people would be like, well, they need a change. And I think that's who Lou was listening to and decided, well, it better be Barry and not me. Horrible. Horrible decision at face value uh, for the New York Islanders, and I I can't believe it. I cannot believe after one bad season, three straight years of missing the playoffs, you miss once and he gets sacked. Uh, Lou Lamorello should have been fired on the spot the second those above him heard that this was going to be his move. Yeah, it's absolutely silly. This, but it's always like the coach on the chopping block. But like, yeah, other teams got to be salivating over grabbing Barry Trotz. And I, I know a lot of teams that are going to be going off him who have, you know, built uh, have teams that are built in a way that Barry Trotz could fucking totally like do well with. Like Vegas comes to mind for me as much as I hate to say it, but they absolutely come to mind. Um, mm-hmm. They would benefit a lot from a, a coach like him with, you know, how their roster is built. Like just think of Mark Stone already. You love Barry Trotz as your coach if you have Mark Stone. Um, yeah. I mean, I was going to. I was going to bring this up, right, because you and I had a conversation about Barry Trotz, and I was going to bring up, like, okay, well, who makes sense? And you, as a Sharks fan, you've seen the Sharks mentioned a lot, and you disagree with the idea that he'd be the right coach for the team, even though, of course, you acknowledge he's an amazing coach. Five years ago, I would have been all over it. But I look at what Barry Trotz's track record is, and the guy doesn't play young talent. The Sharks are in a position now where you fucking have to. You have to play yeah. young talent, and you can't allow them to be tried to be, you know, turned into these grinder types and whatnot. Like you're going to have Eklund and Bordalo probably playing middle six minutes next season. You're going to still have Eric Carlson under contract. Who knows what's going to happen with all the rumors? If anyone gets moved, it's going to be Burns. So you still have one major OFD on contract who's definitely has expressed some kind of concern about playing in too much a too defensive system. Like he needs to be able to do his thing. Is he going to be able to do that in a trot system? Will you get that buy-in from him? And if you don't, well, that's $11.5 million. Like, mm. you've, you've pigeonholed yourself in a situation. I don't think Barry Trotz is the answer. And Sharks fans need to stop looking for Band-Aids and just accept the fact that 
you need to go and stitch this up carefully and go you know literally stitch by stitch and fix the issue there's no there's no quick solution to this you can look up and down the NHL right now and talk about I mean, granted, Anaheim, a lot of young talent. That'd be an upgraded head coach. Yeah. Arizona, bring Barry Trotz into a 5,000-seater. Let's go. Um, I mean, shit, Buffalo, Chicago should certainly be interested. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe that could bring about a, a culture change that they still desperately need. Um, Detroit is one that really stands out. You know, you talk. Imagine how like Moritz Mode Cider already oh looks great. God. Yeah, Mode you Cider. put Moritz Ooh. Cider into a Barry Trot system. Ooh. Oh my God, he's running the Norris for the next ten years. Yeah, like holy God. Um, I mean Montreal, they already got their man in Marty St. Louis. Yeah, uh, that's who the Sharks need. The Sharks need a St. Louis type who says, "Yeah, fucking fly free to this young talent." Look what happened to Caulfield, dude. I was legit becoming convinced. I'm like, dude, yeah, he might. I might have been right. He might only be a middle six guy at best. At this yeah. point, I'm looking to eat my words like in a big, big way. Well, you were right. Yeah. He under <laughs> under Dom Ducharme, he was a middle six guy at best. Mm-hmm. It does go to show the effect that coaching can have. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to shout out a bit of a wild card here as well. I mean, I don't know if Seattle will fire Dave Haxtell. They should and bring in Barry Trotz. Um, two teams that stand out to me from the Western Conference. Vancouver, who apparently don't want to commit to Bruce Boudreaux, and Winnipeg. Talk about a perfect fit for Barry Trotz if he wants to move to Winnipeg uh, and deal with the you know uh, what everyone knows is held against Winnipeg, and that's the location. Uh, he would be a perfect fit for that roster, and I mean you know if he can't get the likes of Wheeler and Shifley uh, and that leadership core to really click at this point, then you know like okay we're gonna rebuild and Barry will bring up the next the next era. So those are two teams that stand up for me as well. Uh, and only one fan base, I think, will be happy landing a, a coach the caliber of Barry Trotz. Yeah. I mean, so. Yeah. Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling move. The Sharks are, the, yeah, and also another, uh, just to touch on the Sharks again, the Sharks have bigger fish to fry. They still need to bring in a GM at this point. I love what Joe Will just did in signing... Barabanov to two years, 2.5. Maybe we are going to bring that up at some point. I can't have the sheet in front of me like I you usually know, I, do. But <laughs> I was going to ask. I saw that you liked the move. Mm-hmm. To me, I'm like, eh, I might be a little bit more than I'd want to see my team spend on Barabanov. But at the same time, uh, he did show a lot of promise this season. Yeah, his numbers weren't horrible. Um, what is it? I think he had like 39 points, almost like 40 points in 70-something games or... I think it was like 39 Let's get and an 70. exact look at what his numbers were. Of course, Leafs legend, Barabanov. 39 points in 70 games. Yeah, so you think of an 82-game season, that's 45 points, maybe 50 if he has a streak. Like, it's not bad for two yeah, and a half, yeah. It's really not horrible. Like, and, and you think of... And he was honestly playing in the top six more often than not. He was playing with, uh, like... Hurdle and Meyer a lot of times, or sure, like he was a uh, mm. he was that like third guy on a line. Oftentimes you have the duos, you know. Um, he was often that third guy and usually did really really well, you know. Production, the entire Sharks team struggled with production for the most part, but I really did like Barabanov. And for me, two point five million for two years is a really really good show me deal. It's not you know like hell, dude. If if he puts up 40 points for both of those two years, I'd say it's a fair deal. I think he could put up more than that. I think he'd be a 50-point guy, in which case I think it's a great deal uh, for 2.5. 
The Sharks also signed Jacob Megna, who looked like a world beater <laughs> once he got the playing time that I think Middleton had, basically. Yeah, the Sharks are so, so good at giving these, uh, these, uh, these, I don't know, I just think of it, DeMello, Middleton, and now Megna. Like, they, they have these defensive that they could bring up and play in those, like, four or five, or they play him in the top six and then they go elsewhere. They could sometimes get, like, three or four time, or in the case of Middleton, he played a bit lower and obviously, you know, didn't look as good anymore, but yeah, the Sharks have this uh, interesting thing where they can make these uh, these defensive players uh, really solid. We have really we have really good defensive, uh, not like key defensive defensemen, but we've always had those really really good supplemental depth defensemen, and they've always done really mm-hmm. well when they've moved on or done really well when we've brought them up. So, congrats to Magna. There was another firing. In the hockey world. <laughs> Although I feel like the, the perfect segue is is to talk about a retirement, but just really quickly wanted to mention this. Um, Pierre Maguire was fired by the Ottawa Senators after oh, yeah. less than a year with the organization. Oof. Who knows? Like obviously like he will be the scapegoat for whatever controversial or and or bad decisions were made. People being like, Oh, he's clearly the reason Tyler Boucher was selected over Sillinger and so on and so forth. Like, look, I don't know if we're going to know for sure. Uh, he was the vice president of player development. So how much of a hand he would have had in their uh, draft policy, you know, right after being hired, uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, God, yeah, so he was, hi- he was hired on July 12th of last year. And the 2021 NHL draft was on July 23rd. Like, come on. Like, he might have had the ability to say, oh, no, we definitely got to take Boucher. But at the same time, like, those decisions were probably locked in. Like, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting that he got fired. But in terms of, you know, the people going about being like, oh, every bad move they made, Travis Hamanick, that was Pierre Maguire. Like, come on. People are being yeah. a little bit ridiculous in that regard. But uh, probably a good decision for their organization. <laughs> Pierre Dorian's like, there can be only one. <laughs> Uh, the other big thing, and again, it was a perfect segue, um, and I, know, I don't know if you had any thoughts on Pierre Maguire. I mean, come on. It's just like, yep, yeah, cool. He's people, <laughs> people fired. are going to love to speculate on it, and everyone loves to make yeah. fun yeah. of him, and, and rightfully so. I mean, he's been such an annoying twat for this, such such a long time. But... <laughs> <sighs> Do you think we can make that the episode twi- title? Twi- twaddle? <laughs> the episode twaddle. Uh, Pierre Maguire, annoying twat. You think Spotify will be okay with that? I don't know. We're not British, yeah. so it's like I don't know if we can get away with it. Mm, yeah, fair. We can try. Yeah. So again, Sin had the perfect kind of segue that we had to sidestep for a second. But the uh, other big news, at least for today, Patrick Marlowe has officially announced his retirement. Unsurprisingly, at the age of forty-two years old, after sitting what? out no, he's older this than that entire season. No, he's forty-two. No way. Yeah, Jumbo's only forty-two. Uh, yeah, I think he and Thornton... They're the same age. Thornton I... was drafted the year before. No, they were drafted the same year. Okay, then, yeah, Thornton's only 42. What? I th- why did I think yeah, they Yeah, they're both older? 42. Okay. Joe Thornton, July 2nd, 1979. Patrick Marlowe, yeah. September 15th, 1979. I legit thought they were, like, both a little bit older than that, but, okay. Anyway. Mm. Yeah, 42. So... Marlowe, um, first and foremost, there's a Player Tribune article out that I recommend everyone reads. Uh, one of the quotes from that to certainly endear himself to the city of San Jose. 
quote, That new team, the city I couldn't find on a map, was a hockey town if I'd ever seen one. To see how far the team and the city has come in the 19 years since I was drafted made me proud of all of us. So uh, his number's going to be retired, I believe, as soon as next season Absolutely. was the word. Um, Has to be. I mean, he's Mr. San Jose Shark. Like, his entire career, yeah. essentially, almost, was with San Jose. Almost, yeah, outside of... Two seasons in Toronto and eight games, uh, technically 12 with the playoffs of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. Um, and then another year with the know, Sharks finished, to break that record. <laughs> yep, nine uh, points in 56 games last year with the Sharks. Um, you know, it's interesting now because you can certainly say that all three California teams are certainly like locked into this new era now. You know, obviously for the Sharks, like Marlowe and Thornton are gone. Uh, for the Ducks, Ryan Getzloff is retiring. And, of course, Dustin Brown for the Kings also retiring. So it's this kind of bittersweet yeah. end of an era. Uh, even for those on the outside, <clears throat> excuse me, even for those of us on the outside looking in, like Endo and I talked about it on this show before, as Bruins and Leafs fans, the idea of that Western road trip with the California teams, nightmare fuel. Hopefully we can get a point or two from those three. Like It was unbelievable how strong that Pacific Division was, and obviously a big part of the reason as to why the Sharks were that strong uh, was Patrick Marlowe. Yeah. I mean, second overall pick in 1997 behind Joe Thornton. Yep. You know? Like, it's it's crazy. Like, you look at <laughs> the t- <laughs> Thornton, Marlowe, Ole Okunin, Roberto Luongo, Eric Brewer were the... Uh, were the top five in that draft. Um, three Hall of Famers. Uh, I suppose the Finns in the audience might uh, be rooting for Ole Jokinen. Don't know if I'd go that far, of yeah. course. I don't know how many people would. But, um, I mean, you know, he holds franchise records for the Sharks. Points, goals, power play goals, shorthanded goals. Two-time Olympic gold medalist. Uh, scored 20 goals 15 times. In his career, uh, finishes his NHL tenure with 1,197 points in 1,779 games. He is a future Hockey Hall of Famer, literally the, in my opinion at least, I mean literally the only thing, of course, sin, as you know, that can be held against him is the lack of a ring, but at the end of the day, it is a team sport. Yeah, and I'm, I... I really am trying my best to steer hockey from going down that path of caring so much about cup wins for individual players. It seems so counterintuitive to what the sport is and what the culture is. They're always yapping about how much of a team sport it is, how it's the most team-oriented sport, but then they want to judge the greatness of someone by how many times they won a championship. Like, goddamn, it takes, you know, it's one person at a, at a 19 or a 20, you know. You're, there's 19 yeah. other I mean, guys. We, we talked about that. Not all that long ago, right? Like how the attitude, I think, is shifting because of the popularity of the NBA where, you know, yeah, people care about stats, but at the end of the day, that is a ring-oriented league. We talked about the differences, of course, you know, five people on a court at all times compared to what the hockey is, but, uh, you know, and in the playoffs, like you have eight, maybe nine guys. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, mm-hmm. this this is a guy in Patrick Marlowe that played more games than Gordie Howe. Mm-hmm. He is the all-time leader now in games played in the NHL. That is fucking insane. Yeah. That it's sort of longevity is tough. Like, mm-hmm. Especially playing through some of the eras he played with, man. You got to remember, drafted in 97, he jumped right into the NHL, essentially. And it's in the tuck and... Mm-hmm. I always mix it up, but clutch and grab area. I always want to say tuck. Yeah, the clutch and grab yep. area. <laughs> Lived through all that and then... Sw- and then 
you know, the transition came to 06 where it started slowly getting more speed oriented. Oh, well, guess what? Patrick Marlowe's got fucking rockets. Like, he's fast as fuck, boy. <laughs> and, yeah, it's been, yeah. So, it's a bittersweet day. Uh, at the end of the day, though, again, an incredible career. We all kind of saw this coming after he sat out. And I saw the um, I saw the tweet, and I'm going to see if I can uh, track it down here. But essentially, I believe now it is just Sedano Chara, Joe Thornton, and Tom Brady who are still essentially active players in their sports uh, from the 90s, you know, from when they were when they were drafted. Yeah. Which just goes to show, again, that, uh, you know, the insane um, durability and consistency that someone like Patrick Marlowe has to be in a class with players such as that. Um, and again, it's in terms of, and uh, let's see, list of NHL players to never win a Stanley Cup. Where Patrick Marlowe resides on this list now, I'm not sure. Because you are talking about the Marcel Dion's, Pat LaFontaine's, Brad Park, Paul Correa, Henrik Lundqvist, Pavel Bure, Lindros, the Sedins. Like, where you want to put him on that list, that's up to you. He is certainly on that list, though. Uh, as big of a shame as that is. Uh, thanks, thanks, Pittsburgh. Yeah, for, fuckers. Uh, we are so close. <laughs> yeah, so far. Two other quick things to note here uh, before we uh, get into talking about the playoffs. Again, I mentioned it earlier. The Vesna Trophy, the three finalists were announced. Unsurprisingly, Igor Shosturkin, UC Saros, Jacob Markstrom in there as well. Uh, again, this is a regular season award, not a playoff award. Igor Shosturkin wins this hands down. Like, it's not, not even really a conversation. Like, we consistently, you know, mention guys like Soros and, and Markstrom and even Ilya Sorokin throughout the regular season, but it's it's just irking. And again, we will talk about the Rangers-Penguins series in a few minutes. Uh, and the last thing I wanted to note, P.K. Subban is now appearing as an analyst for ESPN. Uh, please retire now mm. that you have this gig that we all know that you will succeed in with flying colors. Or at the very least, if you are going to keep playing, stop slew-footing people. That's that's my request, PK. You are phenomenal at what you do, but please stop slew-footing people. With that, boys, let's get into talking about the postseason here, Dude, and we will start gonna... off. Or I, not. Go ahead. I was going to mention <laughs> something. This is pretty big. We talk about uh, women's hockey a lot, and we what about growing the sport. Um, so, as of yesterday... Um, a new uh, title of uh, highest earning woman hockey player has been given you know, to someone. Thank you. I wanted to bring this up and I yeah. missed it because our hockey didn't uh, thumb it up enough. Good yeah. job, our hockey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mikaela uh, Grant Mentis signs with the Buffalo Buttes with an $80,000 contract. Now, that's not like when you look at stuff that the, the other guys are getting paid, that, that's equivalent to like an ECHL level, AHL level deal. That's fucking, that's amazing. Now that she doesn't have to work her job uh, as a, quote-unquote, a FedEx driver, a professional mm. woman hockey player had to have a full-time job to, to, to basically manage everything as well. And now she's getting paid 80000 which is 9.38% of the current cap of the Buffalo Buttes of the PHF. 
uh, $750,000 of their salary cap. And it's great to see that women are getting paid more and getting more money they deserve. Uh, hopefully, mm -hmm. um, this is only the start for something new as well. Uh, to note as well, if I can find it right here, she played uh, with the um, Toronto Six. Uh, I think this last not last year was their inaugural, but their second year of being a franchise. And she led the team with 30 points. So they're also saying that she's a really, really good skater, really talented, and obviously that's evident because she's the highest earning woman hockey player right now in North America, if not the world. That's one of those things that we've talked about on this show that I think, you know, supporters of women's hockey have mentioned numerous times. Um, you know, you get these leagues into a position where these women can focus on solely just being professional hockey players. And as good as they are, the caliber of the games will only go up. I uh, am still questioning the future promise of the uh, PHF and some of the decisions that they've made recently and, you know, what's happened with the Players Association and such. Uh, but it was good news, yeah. certainly. So, again, Endo, thank you for bringing that up. Um, obviously, fucking playoff season for that announcement to come through. It does get a little bit buried and doesn't get the attention that it deserves, unfortunately. Uh, we will go into talking about the playoffs here. Start off with the Panthers and Capitals, which is now tied at two games apiece. The Caps were up 2-1. to one. The Panthers won last night in overtime, which, in my opinion, saves their season. If Washington goes up 3-1, to one, the Florida Panthers blow it. I do believe that the Panthers will now come back to win this series. Um, you know, I I don't remember what kind of game we uh, we mentioned as like, hey, if it goes this far, it's kind of an indictment on the Panthers. Uh, yeah, at this point, though, certainly if the Panthers were to lose this series, there's no other way to view it other than they blew it. So to have a 2-2 split for them right now is absolutely gigantic. Yeah, definitely. I, I still think it's, I know it's a bit tougher, but yeah, the fact that they went down 2-1 to one for me was a huge, huge missed opportunity in the first place. Um, but again, yeah, they've tied it up and doing it in overtime too, that kind of feels like a moment in the series where they could really turn around and figure out like, okay, this is what it's going to take. Like, that's an experienced Washington team, you know, former cup winner from a few years ago. They still got a lot of those people on that roster. And again, we still, we've, we question how much, of a playoff team Florida is, and they've still got a lot to prove, but yeah, they just need to get out of this round. <laughs> so for Washington, uh, Ovi and Backstrom both leading the way with five points, one goal, four assists each. Oshie's leading the team in scoring with three goals in four games, but the big story here for the Caps is the goaltending. In two appearances to the first four games of the series, Vitek Vanacek, who was the better of the two goalies in the regular season, has a 4-2-4 goals against average and an 863 save percentage. Yep. Ilya Samsonov, sub 900 save percentage in the regular season, has a 167 GAA and a 949 save percentage. Uh, you know, as much as we talk about what this series has been for Florida, there is no denying that this probably would not have been a close series to this point and had a 2-2 split in Washington's favor if it hadn't been for Samsonov finding his game and kind of living up to that potential. I mean, again, he was one of the big three uh, KHL goalies. He's Shesterkin and Sorokin. And certainly we've seen the uh, latter two perform at that extremely high level. Shesterkin's going to win the Vesna this year, kind of waiting for Samsonov. And this could serve to be kind of his coming out party. 
On the other side for the Panthers, though, four games of Sergei Bobrovsky, 900 save percentage. Again, $10 million against the cap. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they turn to Spencer Knight at all, but that is simply not good enough. Um, in terms of the forwards as well, you know, uh, they're doing pretty much what they were expected to do. Sharing the wealth, they are putting up points. Uh, Carter Verhage is leading the way with three goals in four games. It just literally, I think it comes down to the Panthers. Like, they are letting up a lot of rush chances down the other way, and Bobrovsky's not bailing them out, so you have a 2-2 series here. And for the Cats, just figure out, if the goaltending can sort itself out, you're good to go. But when you're talking about Sergei Bobrovsky, that always feels like a pretty big if. Yep, and that's... I still... It's crazy how he got that much money. Um, but especially as a goaltender, it's absolutely insane. Uh, yeah, he... It's really unfortunate. And, and it's you know, it's crazy how stacked of a team they have when they're paying Bobrovsky $10 million. <laughs> That still trips me out. Like, how they were able to yeah. manage that. Like, oh... Imagine if they had a. Imagine how much more stack they'd be if they had a goaltender making like just half that much. Think what you could do with five million onto that roster. Yeah, I mean essentially Tampa esque. Yeah. Right. Like they could take it to that next uh, degree with what Tampa's been able to do. Endo, how are you feeling about this series? I think the Panthers have it, potentially still in seven. But I did say at the start of this that I felt like the Caps could win it, and uh, yeah. Still, kind of feels that way, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it all comes down to the gameplay and everything going on there. Um, game game plan. Sorry, gameplay. I'm, I'm thinking about virtual hockey for some reason. And because two K tens that damn good. Yeah. yeah, it's that damn good. Like the scoring this year so far across the board has been absolutely ridiculous. I'm just gonna get. I'm gonna cut that out there. Like I've been talking about that before we even started recording the podcast today. Scoring is yeah. absolutely insane. I don't know what's going to happen with this series. I think it could go seven. I think Florida's going to bounce back. But you never know with the Capitals. They they got that one taste of, of glory with uh, Ovi. Uh, getting, winning it back in, I think it was 2018 or 2019. can't remember which one. And, uh, 2018. Yeah. That's when they beat Vegas. Correct. Yeah. That's fist pumps. Yes. Fuck Vegas. Um, and <sighs> that's... Uh, that's what I think it's going to happen. It's it's just going to we'll we'll see tonight what's going to happen. I think tonight's a big stepping stone to see what's going to go on with the series. Uh I don't know. I'm I'm thinking Caps are going to take it though. I don't know. As well, we need to talk about the Leafs and Lightning. True. Which is now a 2-2 split. Essentially both wins for both teams, very one-sided. Uh, for the Lightning at this stage, through four games, everybody, Andre Vasilevsky has a 888 save percentage. How the Leafs have not done more to take advantage of that, I do not know. Um, you know, for Tampa, Kucherov leading the way with five points in four games, it's it's ridiculous. Like, Tampa is scoring. It's just, again, the Leafs not being able to take advantage of the fact that Vassy's struggling. And on the other side, I mean, it's an 888 for Vassy. It's an 889 for Jack Campbell. Uh, again, the line scoring. Matthews and Marner both have six points in four games. Like, this is essentially a mirror match at this stage. 
Uh, very, very intrigued to see what happens. Sin, I am watching the draft lottery. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights may have just gotten a top two pick. What? Of course. They had, the, yep. Yeah. Well, no, wait. Okay. No, never mind. We're good. Okay. NHL oh fucked it up God. on one of their screens. It's the, okay. Buffalo has Vegas's pick. Yes, okay. Do. Okay. <laughs> on the screen draft order, it just says Buffalo, not from Vegas. And then they cut to a different screen and it's Vegas. Uh, in brackets next to Buffalo. Oh We're okay, everybody. Oh <laughs> oh. Because if Vegas moved up to that, they would get to keep it. They can't even get. They can't even move up to the top two, That's though. True. So I should have known if that. If they move into the top ten, they get to keep that fucking pick, and they better not. Oh, they can't move into the top ten then. They, yeah, they, they're at sixteen. They can only move up to six, so they can't even win this. What a horrible mismanagement! Well, still, if they go from the NHL, if they go to sticks, holy shit, they, yeah. They get no to kidding. keep their so, pick. Okay. It's top, top no more protected. <laughs> no more live updates from me on the draft board until it's finalized, Jesus everybody. Christ. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> so, and uh, I wanted to throw it to you here. Uh, obviously, you are the most invested in the series. Leafs Lightning, Game 5 is tonight. It's actually going to be starting very soon here as we're talking. How are you feeling about this as the Sharks will be picking 11th? I lied. Um how are you feeling about this? Because it really does have the feeling of whoever wins game five is probably going to win the series, but it's been back and forth the whole way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This is one of the weirdest things to gauge as well. Because I always said Leafs in six, uh, uh, Tampa in seven. But Tampa haven't lost, hasn't lost a game, hasn't lost two back-to-back playoff games in like three years. Just, just, just I'm just going to say that, three years. Since the whole incident with them getting swept by uh, Columbus, that was the last time they lost two consecutive back-to-back over like playoff games. So, mm. my if I want them to win in six, if one leaves one in six, they have to win tonight and then win next game, which we all know it's not going to happen. We we know that for a fact they're not going to win two in a row against the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, it hasn't been done against Vassy in a very long time. Exactly, so. it's. It, you have no chance, no shot. So your your best bet is to win this game, lose the next game, and then like lose in seven again. And then there's gonna be a riot around the city. Which I mean, you can't. You, I I don't want to be mad because I can't be mad if they lose this series. They went up against the back to back champions, who have shown that they can score and be there when they have to be there and show up when determined and. With the, and being there, but like I don't know what else this Leaf team can do. This is probably the best Leaf roster we've had in a long time, where it's kind of even, except for John Tavares dropping off of a basically face of the earth, except being in the penalty box. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But I don't know what what that, this team's gonna do if they lose. I, I don't know what what they're gonna uh, do, like at all. Sin, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that not the most Leaf thing ever, though? It's a 2-2 series, and Endo is like, well, shit, what if they lose? Yeah. Yeah. I understand the feeling. Um, mm. It's been such a weird series. Like New Jersey has won one of the top two picks in the draft. Oh, my, oh God. my God. They've moved up from the sixth best, or the fifth best odds, excuse me. The Devils have a top two pick in the draft. Seattle's bumped down to four. Okay. Which means, what the fuck just happened? So Seattle has dropped. 
New Jersey likely ends up with the second. This is nuts. So Seattle had the fourth overall pick. Columbus has the sixth uh, overall pick because of the Seth Jones trade, by the way. So New Jersey, Montreal, Arizona for <laughs> the final oh three. Oh, my God. Insanity. Um, it, sorry. It's just, again, I knew this would happen once we got to this point where we were talking about this series. But um, as they go to commercial, Sin leaves the Lightning at this stage. We kind of know how Endo's feeling. Endo is still hoping for the best, but expecting the worst, because that is what he has been conditioned to. How do you read this series when it's been as close as it is, but again, each win for each team, alternating wins, it's been one-sided. Very one-sided. I don't know, man. I just feel like this is probably the Leafs' best chance. They're they're in a situation where they're playing a team, and it seems very similar. Uh, the play styles. I feel like the Leafs, if you're playing a team with a similar play style to you, the Leafs should 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 be able to win more often than not. Um, because, well, they're designed to be the, to really kind of just be the epitome of the team of this era, essentially, of that skill-based team. And now, you know, they're even developing a bit more defensive games. All those high-skill guys are developing other sides to their games, too. This is honestly their best chance to move up. Tampa's not the same. They're still a great team. They are not the same. They're not as deep. They're still deep. But, yeah, this the Leafs need to win this. Like, they, this, this would be, this is a good chance for them. I'm not just saying, like, because of all the, the crap they've been through, but this is actually their best chance um, yeah. that they've really kind of had, like, I, you could argue one of the two series against the Bruins, the the more yeah. latter two, that they probably should have made it. Yeah, but yeah, definitely. Um, but at the same time, like that's that's a tough. The Bruins are designed to shut that team like that down. The Bruins are designed to completely negate a lot of those stars. And oh, guess what? They negated those stars a lot of the time. Um, yeah, they're right now playing in a situation where their stars are scoring. Vasilevsky's, you know, back and forth, but like he's you know, overall numbers are pretty bad. You if you're getting to him. Yeah, I, I feel like the Leafs need to find something because they've obviously found the recipe. Now you just need to do it consistently, and that's what's so weird about this series. It's There's no close games. It's just one team's good, the other team... Yeah, it's so weird. I think you just uh, you cracked the code. And the reason why Endo and other Leafs fans struggle. Consistency. Yeah. They have not had consistency at any point while Austin Matthews has been a Leaf. Endo knows this. How yeah. often... How often do they not start games on time? I can't even count how many times I've heard the likes of Steve Dangle complain about that. Or finish games. <laughs> yeah, like, that has been a fair been an issue. Not even, like, recently. That's been an issue since, like, time. I would say, like, <laughs> w- like w- when I was a little child, he wouldn't finish games. They've never finished games. We went through and played NHL 2K10. Again, let me show, we're going to plug that shit because that, that's one of the best games fucking ever, yep. especially with friends. And we look back at that that Maple Leaf roster. That was terrible. 2009-2010 season. Holy shit! Like, talk about not even finishing games or starting games. They didn't even fucking show up at all. Like, I don't know. This, like, it's is it just ingrained? Is that what the the fans keep calling the passion? Because they they won one game. It's like, yeah, I'm filled with the passion. What what passion? That have the, the feeling of your balls being whipped as you watch this team like constantly for over a fucking 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 year span without even being anywhere near a Stanley Cup final or even near the cup. The closest we've been to the cup is because we have the Hockey Hall of fucking fame. That's the closest we've been to it. We house the fucking thing. You're true. You know, okay. I'm not yes! sure. Yes! 
No, I read it wrong. Oh, I thought Montreal lost the lottery. They showed the number one pick first. Fuck. I thought the Devils won it. I'm cutting that out of the podcast. Fuck. Oh, it was so close. So the Habs get the number one pick. New Jersey number two to fuck over to fuck over everyone else. All I can imagine while you're talking about the Leafs is James Bond getting whipped in the balls in oh, that dude. first Daniel yes. Craig double seven. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's just an edit of the, the leap over his face, just yelling out in pain. God. But, like, oh. as I was saying with the Leafs, like, the closest <laughs> they've been to the cup, and I'm not sure people know this. I'm not sure this is common knowledge. The Hockey Hall of Fame storage is located in the exact same arena as they have their practice facility. I want you to know that. So, <laughs> stuff that don't get put up in the hall... And they're hoping for storage or for like maintenance and everything. They go in this like this room, this area. So every time they fucking practice, they are closer to the cup than they will ever be in the actual playoffs. It is absurd that now that I'm putting that together in my brain, how that is. Because the the display cup is the one I'll call fame. The actual cup. Is in these archives. Just, I'm just letting you know that, like, full on. When it's not being given to all these players, it's in these archives. It's sitting there, like, being polished and, like, cleaned up real quick. Like, the, the, the fact that, like, they, they literally practice right next to the fucking cup. And they still can't touch it. It blows her. It blows my mind. Leafs in seven. Fuck you. To... Quickly touch up upon the final uh, thing with the draft lottery. Uh, again, New Jersey wins for the third time in six years to move up to number two. That is the only bit of movement as Montreal retains the number one pick and will select first for the first time uh, since 1980. And it is also the first time since 1985 that the home team, the team that's hosting the draft, is selecting first overall. So the Habs... First time since 1980, get the number one overall pick. They had the top odds to do so. Um, I clearly shouldn't watch things live while also recording a podcast because I had two misreactions. I was hoping for craziness. Every year it's the draft lottery, and nothing really happens except New Jersey wins. Lol. So, very intrigued to see if Montreal does, in fact, take Shane Wright. I'm sure they will. Um, The other playoff series... God, yeah. Does he speak French? That's a good so. question. Well, here's the thing. I've heard that Shane Wright was no longer kind of the consensus number one. Like, there's a lot. He's kind of fallen down in some scouts' graces. He, he is the consensus number one, but he did not destroy the league to the extent that people thought he would. Yeah. He had 94 points in 63 games for Kingston, uh, but this was another, you know, one of the rare OHL exceptional status players. And you can look back at his progression. Um, You know, his first year in the OHL, 66 points in 58 games. This year he had 94 and 63. Yeah. Of course, he couldn't play last year. Um, You know, I think in a sense it's it's almost unfair criticism, but he is still the consensus number one Mm. uh, for the draft. I can't imagine Montreal taking anybody else. Um, you know, the number two kind of consensus name out there right now is Logan Cooley of the U.S. Developmental Program, uh, but he is that late riser. I mean, you know, maybe we do have a, 
a Nico Heischer, Nolan Patrick situation. Uh, except Shane Wright doesn't have the injury concerns coming into the draft. Yeah. Um, that's the only way I can kind of see this happening, is if you saw that big of an impact. But with Shane Wright not having those injuries, I can't imagine uh, that that would be the case. Um, I would guess that Logan Cooley is likely going to be a devil, although he's also a center. Hughes, Heischer, Cooley? They might trade that pick, yeah. <laughs> they could. Uh, they could take a defenseman. Uh, I'm very intrigued by this draft, for sure. But, yeah, I am rather positive Shane Wright will be a hab unless they go completely off the wall with the pick. Yeah. Um, we'll move on, then. I mean, Leafs Lightning, I think we kind of got our thoughts out there. Again, um, damn the draft lottery for getting our hopes up for craziness every year, and it never, ever happens. Besides New Jersey moving up into a top three spot. Every time. <laughs> the Carolina Hurricanes... And the Boston Bruins. Sin, on our last podcast, I asked you if the Bruins were going to have been swept by the time we recorded next. This series is now tied it to a piece. Wild. Absolutely wild. I I legit thought, I'm like, Dad, this is going to be over in five and maybe six. I mean, it could still be over in six, but I don't know. Like, that last game, Carolina was just unraveling. I'm like, how are you getting so tilted? Like, you went up 2-0 and then all of a sudden adversity and you're fucking... Your full diaper. That's insane to me. Um, so, for game three, it they didn't seem to get rattled that much. The Bruins certainly performed much better. Um, the crazy thing about game three, it was essentially overshadowed by that uh, penalty box incident with the glass mm-hmm. falling. Thankfully, that guy's okay. Um but, you know, you head into Game 3, there's no Hoppus home. He missed Game 4. He'll also miss Game 5 tonight. But the Bruins win in Game 3, and it's like, okay, not bad. But then you're right. In Game 4, they unraveled with a severe lack of discipline. And obviously, center stage, if you're going to talk about someone unraveling and going full diaper, Tony D'Angelo. And he's still going full diaper. Do you see the quote from him? Yeah. Carolina, uh-huh. Carolina is much louder, better crowd. He's, it's insane how alike that fucking idiot that he is, and that, like just the the infantile things that he's saying, and it, how in line it is. Oh my god! <laughs> the first two games of this series, if it continued at that pace, it's over in four. Mm-hmm. That's not breaking news. The Bruins team that played. The first two games of this series were the same Bruins that showed up for the first three games of the regular season against Carolina, and they got smoked. But something changed in Game 3, and they started to figure it out. And in Game 4 especially is perhaps where the tide turned. Because in those first two games in Carolina, you saw the likes of Brad Marchand trying to do his normal get-under-their-skin techniques. And he was essentially laughed at. Which is why I'm like, this This is done. This is over. And Marshawn has to be playing hurt. He's so off of his game. What the hell is happening here? And it's been a complete role reversal in these past two games. Yeah. Marshawn's tactics have worked, especially with Tony D'Angelo. Brad Marshawn, turns out, probably wasn't playing hurt. was just on a horrible slump. He has nine points in four games in this series so far. And he did not have a ton of points for those first two games. Like, there was just something clicked with this team. 
And thank God. I mean, you could say the big thing that changed, they did reunite Bergeron, Marshawn, Pasternak, which in a sense hurts their depth a little bit. And if you look at the Bruins lineup heading into game five, yeah, their depth hurts. 19 points from their t- uh, from their first line. Uh, DeBrusque and uh, Coyle make up pretty much the second line. It's DeBrusque with three points, Coyle with four. That third or second line right wing right now is Tomas Nosek, who has zero points. They have a combined three points from their bottom six. Not great. Three. But what's the big change with the bottom six? Chris Wagner. This was a part of what turned the series for the Bruins, and I cannot believe this. I talked about the Bruins' depth options being Chris Wagner and Anton Bleed, and I'm like, fucking lovely. But Chris Wagner getting out there 10 minutes a night and hitting everything that moves, combined with what Brad Marchand is doing, it's worked. I maybe put too much respect on Carolina. Can you blame me? I maybe put too much respect on Carolina and their uh, ability to not be rattled by the Boston Bruins because they have been. That extra physicality has paid off. Even Nick Felino, who I don't think has had a great series, but the physicality's paid off. Defensively, they played Game 4 without Charlie McAvoy, who, thank God, is playing in Game 5, um, but he was out with, uh, you know, he was on COVID protocol. They won Game 4 without their two best defensemen. Uh, you know, you have literally one point uh, from the defensemen that played in Game 4, uh, but Derek Forbert, Living up to that contract in terms of defensive play, blocking shots. And then the perhaps biggest change, I don't think Allmark was necessarily to blame for those first two losses, but numbers are numbers, man. He had an 860 yeah. in two games. Swayman, two games at home, 925. I cannot believe that the Bruins have managed to turn this around, especially Ranta played uh, in game four as well and still has great numbers. It. It defies almost all logic that they have been able to turn this around. I simply can't believe it. And if they were to lose at this point in six or seven, I'm okay with it. I don't want it to happen, but at least they weren't embarrassed. Yeah. And it's like that's that's just it was unacceptable for them to be embarrassed. I still think that perhaps the best course of action for this offseason, if they lose in round one, is to make those changes and to go in a different direction. But at least now they won't be embarrassed, which would have been completely unacceptable. Yeah, fair point. I mean, I was I was shocked that they were able to come back. I mean, I'm like, yeah, okay, they win the first game at home. But the yeah, the the, the game four was absolutely shocking to me. And the fact that I watched this this Carolina team, which is so well balanced and so sturdy and just has been great all year, that they were just all of a sudden. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of uh, what was it twenty. 20- 14 when all when you felt that shift when the sharks were going to get reverse swept by the kings and all of a sudden the sharks were just like mentally not there and the kings had all mm-hmm. the momentum even though they were still down a, a couple games and you almost knew that they're going to win those momentum shifts are nuts man like we saw it with columbus and tampa yeah tampa up three nothing they lose game one four to three and then they get swept, and you could just see the click. Like, uh, I mean, you, the Bruins 2013 against Chicago, 
you could see it. Game six, they're up by one late in the game. They're like, we got this. And they clicked off, and Chicago won it that night. Like, you can kind of see it. I don't know if Carolina has completely kind of turned off. Like, they play at home tonight. Yeah, Rod's going to do his best to turn them around, and maybe he's, I mean, he's obviously still got that room, but yeah, yeah. they have to do their, yeah, they can't, they can't get involved in the extracurriculars like they have to play their identity they played to the they they started letting the Bruins dictate the identity of how the game was played and that's where they fucked up because once the Bruins do that it's over Bruins in seven that's what I said on this podcast I'm <laughs> hoping for the best right. man it's insane I'm hoping the next and final Eastern Conference series I don't know if this one's going seven boys the Pittsburgh Penguins have a three to one series lead on the New York Rangers Ooh. Sidney Crosby just became the sixth player in NHL history to record 200 playoff points. He has nine points in four games. Jake Gensel with six points, five goals in those four games, and five points in four games as well for Brian Rust. They have scoring up and down the lineup, which is insane. Uh, defensively, they got people putting up points. Michael Matheson, Endo, fucking Panthers legend Michael Matheson has five points in those games. And I want to hear from you about this, specifically from the Penguins' perspective. As a goalie, mm-hmm. Louis Domingue only has a 906 save percentage. His glove, how does a goalie get to the NHL level with as weak... Like, how does a goalie get to the NHL level with as weak of a glove side as everyone knows Domingue has? And yet the Rangers are losing 3-1. to one. So, we talked about this before um, when the Penguins played the Islanders. I think it was the last offseason. With uh, the glove with Tristan Jari. That is not a, goaltending, a goalie issue. That is a goaltending coach issue. Hmm. It, 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 you could say that it's a goalie issue itself. Which, I mean, technically it is because of, like, the way you... The goalie is the one doing the actions. But the goalie coach is there to help improve certain areas that have faltered. Uh, for example, there are some goalie coaches that are just... They just specialize in having a good glove. And doing that way. Some of them are better at getting that lateral movement towards with the goalies themselves. I, I don't know. I mean, I've always had a... I don't want to glow when I say I've always had a good glove hand, but I've always had a good glove hand or in my instance i have a really bad blocker side which is very common as well um so i think it's just um psychological as well too uh it's, it's hard to explain well i i think you did a good enough job and psychological kind of brings it to the rangers perspective i mean mm-hmm. since i know you were kind of changing stuff over but i mean you look at the gonna, <laughs> my, my computer need i forgot i didn't plug my computer in the Laptops drain oh, the charger. It was draining <laughs> batteries so quick. Like we started at like almost 100. percent It's already down to 30. There Jeez. you go. Uh, but the Penguins firing on all cylinder. Jake Gensel is a star. They look great. The Rangers. It's tough to say. I've heard people say the stars aren't delivering. Kreider, Sabanajad, Panarin, all at least point per game. Yeah. Defensively, they're getting contributions on the scoreboard. Fox has four and four. Igor Shesterkin has a 9.05 in four games, whereas in two appearances, uh, Georgiev has a 
Yeah, people were now. I get what Rangers Georgiev over Shosturkin. Right, like I get what Rangers fans are going to say, and it's like, well, you look at the goals that went in, and it's not all Shosturkin's fault. But the bottom line is, he's not stealing the games for you guys like he did all season long. And all of a sudden, you look at Georgiev not, or uh, excuse me, Shosturkin not stealing games, and the team, and you're down three to one to Pittsburgh. What did I say on Twitter? When mm-hmm. Lunkfist has an off game, the Rangers don't look good. This has been a thing for fucking the. Ra- this is just how the Rangers are built. Like they, they, yeah. they need to like at this point if they do not realize this, like and how much more depth that they need, and and like yeah, like it's not going to work. And I hope that was the reason I was hoping they get eliminated in the first round. It's like it ain't going to fly. Um, because, yeah, it was very obvious. All of a sudden, like you said, when Shesterkin can't steal games, this team's losing to a Pittsburgh team. This ain't the Pittsburgh of 2017-2018. Like, they're still good. They still got Crosby Malkin, but also Crosby Malkin are five years older. Um, Mm. yeah, it's, they're, as, this is exactly why I said I'm not going to bet on the Rangers, and I'm not, mostly I'm not going to bet against Crosby in the first round. Um, at least in this situation, like when, if against the Rangers and as of right now, I'm on the right side of that. And yeah, they're just, it, the, it's, it's the lineup of the Rangers. It just doesn't impress me to the degree of like, you're a true contender. Like you're a bubble team who had a great goaltender. Sound familiar? Please recognize this and fix it. How long does this series go? Endo Mills, your prediction are the Rangers boned? Uh, I'd say six. Sin, game five's tomorrow. Is that the last game of the series? It'd be in, oh, it's in New York, isn't it? Yes. Mm, you know what? I'm going to say Penn's in five. Simply because Crosby don't give a fuck what building he's in, dude. <laughs> the Sharks Nine lost the cup four on their games, own ice, it? man. Maybe it's just my own. <laughs> the Sharks losing the cup on their own ice in game six, but... Uh... I'd- we'll move over to the West here then, because um, again, that it's just, that series is shocking. Mm-hmm. It's shocking to to see where it's at right now, um, and of course the Penguins will play the winner of the uh, Bruins and Hurricanes, which that looks like it'd be a great series regardless yeah. of who's there. The Colorado Avalanche completed the sweep of the Nashville Predators. Kale McCarr posting ten points in four games, which is a new playoff record for points amongst defenders. Nashville swept in the playoffs for the first time in their history, leaving only three teams to have never been swept. Seattle in zero playoff series. Vegas has never been swept in 11 career playoff series. And the New Jersey Devils. 45 playoff series. They have never been swept. Those are insane stats. The Avalanche. Hmm? Those are insane stats. Like yeah, I, yeah. How, right, how do you find that shit? Who has that on file? Well, not just, just that. To break like, that's out on a rainy day. Like for for an organization, that's very impressive for an organization. Not bad for a Mickey Mouse organization, right, Wayne? Uh, <laughs> deep cut there on that one. Um, you know, we'll we'll talk about it from Nashville's perspective. We all kind of knew once UC Saros went down, it was going to be rough. Yeah, like that's just that's just how it is. There's there's really not. Too much to say there. I thought. Congrats to the Avalanche from doing what you should have done, and then weirdly trying to position yourself as an underdog. Bizarre, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was super weird. Against all the... odds, bro. Like, 
They don't even have put serums. a fucking banner. <laughs> put a banner up for that one. Jesus Christ. God, anytime uh, like Nashville's mentioned, I just want to put banners up for everything. You know, sports by Colorado. Um, their admins the, ruin that. Yeah, we're considered for, the, for the, the rest of the time. Yeah, the the Preds are gonna forever be tied to the whole raise a banner thing. But I mean, Connor Ingram stepped in, unenviable job. Zach Coffin. finished with a nine thirteen save percentage despite allowing fourteen goals and four appearances. The man was Zach Cobb. He tried. And then Matt Duchesne, you know, four points in four games. Uh, Trennan, Granlin, Roman Yossi was held to just two points in four games. Um, there's only so much you can do when you're up against that stacked of a team yep. and you're missing your top goaltender. So it's really nothing to hang their head on. Colorado. Um, Jesus, man. Again, Kale McCarr is insane. I still don't think he should win the Norris for this year. It should go to Yossi. People will be like, oh, we'll look at the playoffs. Playoffs don't count uh, for that award. Uh, McKinnon, Landeskog, both with six points. Ranton had five. Like, they're, they're insane. The biggest concern for them is goaltending. Pablo Francois was hurt in game, or excuse me, uh, Darcy Kemper was hurt in game three. In uh, those three appearances, a 934 save percentage. Francois comes in, plays games three and four, had a 9.02. Uh, we don't know if Kemper will be back for the start of their next series. Obviously, he'll have time to heal up, but that is the biggest concern right now for the Colorado Avalanche. Is we kind of already saw with them last year what a uh, big time injury or a couple of injuries can do yep. uh, to your playoff hopes. So they they take care of business there, but. The big question now is what happens with Darcy Kemper moving forward, and obviously I hope that he heals up. You know, I want to see a good, great team at their best. Yeah, absolutely. Rest up and heal up because, yeah, the next opponent, it's going to be uh, <laughs> they're going to be uh, a much, much tougher series in all, all sense of the word. It will be either the Minnesota Wild or the St. Louis Blues, who are also now tied at 2-2, kind of going tit-for-tat, similar to what we're seeing from Tampa uh, and Toronto. Uh, again, you know, you, you look at the numbers for the uh, for the teams at this point. Kirill Kaprizov's over a point per game. Ryan Hartman's over a point per game. Erickson X over a point per game. And Marc-Andre Fleury has a 9-14 save percentage. Uh, where for the Blues, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron are crushing it. Uh, six and seven points, respectively. Uh, the Blues, rough goaltending from Billy Husso. Nine, despite the shutout in game one, he has a 9.06 and three appearances. I believe Bennington started game four, had a 9.33. So it looks like Bennington's probably going to win back the net. Uh, the biggest thing for the Blues right now is they've had a lot of injuries on the defensive side, but it looks like they're getting some players back. So, yeah, this one's destined to go seven, as we all yeah. kind of thought that it would. Yeah. I, I still think like how, the how Blues, does it not? I, I still feel like the Blues can outlast him, especially if, if Bennington's going to play good in the playoffs. Um, he just has that edge to him, and I still think he's completely not worth the contract and completely overrated. But again, goalies can get hot, and he just seems like one of those guys who, when he gets hot, it's really hard to knock him off. Well, speaking of hot, then Flames and Stars. Unless I know had anything to add about Wild and Blues, but I feel like we kind of summed it up pretty well. Flames are fucking up. So this is tied as well, 2-2 through the first four games. Uh, worth noting, Jamie Benn was just fined for the second time in this series. Already fined twice without a suspension. Fucking unbelievable. He gets away with so much, man. It's insane. Yeah. It's you know, for the longest time, I didn't understand. 
I didn't understand the hate for Jamie Ben. And then you start to look into it and you start to watch Stars games a bit more and then you read up on the history and it's like, I get why nobody likes Jamie Ben. Yeah. I understand. One of the dirtiest players in the league. He is. I say that as a fan of the Bruins of Brad Marchand. I would know a dirty player when I see one. Jamie Ben's a dirty fucking player. I'm not breaking news. For the Dallas Stars, because we're already talking about them, so let's go ahead. Uh, they have gotten astronomically good goaltending. I don't even know if you can put those words together. I just did. Jake Ottinger has a 960 save percentage in four games. He made maybe the save of the playoffs so far with that glove save in game four. <sighs> Holy shit. Um, but unsurprisingly, the Stars aren't scoring. Uh, let's see. Three goals for Pavelski. One for Hintz. On the, both on the top line. So they have four goals in four games from the top line. Three goals from the next three lines. Raffle with a goal, Sagan with a goal, Foxa with a goal. That's it. Yeah. Like, they are struggle bussing as much as expected and are being held in this series by an underperformance from the Calgary Flames. And as a result, I mean, what goes hand in hand with that? Ottinger is playing sensational hockey. God tier. Yeah. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous the way he's playing. And that's, we kind of figured that might be the case, but uh, yeah, it's really surprising that Calgary's still not able to muster more offense. I mean, a 960, just the sheer volume of shots that he's had to face to put up a number like that is ridiculous. For Calgary, top line, Goodrow, four points, Lindholm and Kachuk, three points each. And then from there, uh, you have a combined six points from the rest of the forwards. Yep. Uh, again, it's kind of the same story. Calgary's getting more scoring. The difference is, again, for them, it's just, it's not enough. Markstrom has a 952. You're not looking at goaltending as to the reason why Dallas is in this series. It's just Ottinger's playing amazing hockey, and this Calgary offense that is better on paper is just not doing enough. Uh, prior to the last game that Calgary won to tie it up at 2-2, Johnny Goodrow, of course, scored a penalty shot uh, goal in that game. But this stat came out from uh, NHL underscore Sid. Since 2017, out of all 350 players that have played at least 200 five-on-five minutes in the playoffs, Goodrow ranks 346th in five-on-five points per 60. There is only four players ahead of him, and they are all defensemen. He ranks dead last amongst forwards in that time. Johnny Goodrow fucking needed that penalty shot in Game 4, and my God, does he need to be able to help lead this team to a playoff series win. Because otherwise, if they fall short here in round one again, he will never escape. I mean, barring a Conn Smythe level performance, he will never escape regular season Johnny Hockey. Johnny regular season, whatever yeah. you want to call him. He won't escape that label. He and the Flames need to win this series. And it being tied through the first four games is uh, far from ideal. Yeah, definitely. I can't agree more. I think they're really missing an opportunity here again. Yeah, they're maybe getting goalied a little bit, but you got to figure something out. Like, at some point. And, no, it's a Canadian team, so it's prevalent. How do you view this series? Similar to every other one that's tied to, too, because these matchups have been pretty damn close. Yeah, um, it's been a very interesting playoff. Um, I think, what, we had one overtime game, that's it so far, of all the series that we've been through, both East and West. Like, one overtime game? It's crazy. I, I hope that um, Calgary can bounce back. Because I'd love, I would love to see a Calgary Edmonton series. In general, 
just I just hope that they can bounce back and get this going because they are squandering it completely. You have a clear road to go through. I mean, Ottinger is carrying that team. Also, uh, so is Jamie Ben. We're getting suspension, not suspension, but getting fines and suspensions. But yeah, I, I I want the Stars to win. I want the Stars to win, but I want the Flames to win at the same time. Like it, I'm, I'm I'm torn on that. Before we talk about our final series, uh, the Bruins and Hurricanes have started, and for the fifth time in as many games, the Carolina Hurricanes have scored first. Yeah. The final series to talk about here, Sin. It's a big one. Edmonton and L.A. tied at two apiece through four games. For the Oilers, I I don't understand because scoring's on point. Kane has a playoff hat trick. McDavid, Dreisaitl, even Ryan Nugent Hopkins at a point per game or over. Bouchard's over a point per game. And Mike Smith has a 942 save percentage. The Oilers, when they've won, have blown out the Kings. That's yeah. But <clears throat> Jonathan Quick, who has an 894 save percentage, I believe, does have a shutout in one of the four games. It's how. It's again. <laughs> like, it's, this is it's, it's the most Edmonton series ever. It is. It's feast or famine for Edmonton. Exactly why the reason I gave LA a chance in this one because if it's feast or famine, famine for Edmonton, eventually you don't score, and when you don't score, LA is going to beat you. Or when you're struggling to score, LA is going to beat you because they're that kind of team. The series is tied up because of that, you know. Or it will be on. It's kind of similar to the uh, Edmonton or the uh, you know Toronto Lightning series in that way, but like obviously it's complete two t- completely different teams in this way. But yeah, it's like mm-hmm. Edmonton shows up one game, coasts the next, shows up the next game, coasts, the, and they yeah, they shouldn't lose the series. I voted for the Kings because I know there's a good fucking chance they do because they're not deep enough and they cannot consi- like get that consistent scoring all the time. And McDavid can only do so much. Well, McDryside or whatever. <laughs> Both of them. Yeah, it's... McDryside or Hopkins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gotta get the hyphen in there. Yeah. So... Again, I, this was my one dark horse selection. I didn't want to be, you know, that con- all-contrarian, all but I knew there's a good shot that it could happen, and I just feel more and more validated the more this kind of gets even evened up and, like... The more everyone's like, oh, fucking, you, you see that last game? Like, Whit, like Whit, Ray Whitney on Twitter, oh, fucking, they're going to blow them out. They just blew them out, and I'm like, no, they're not. And they come back, LA fucking wins by playing a grindy-ass style that LA, that Edmonton can't compete with. Like, <laughs> And this is exactly the doom of Edmonton that has been. They don't have enough depth. They don't have enough different styles. They rely so much on star power. They're the most NBA team out there. Mm. And that simply is not going to fly longer and longer. They, they they can get to the second round, but I don't think they're getting past that at all. Endo, uh, does this series go seven? I think out of, for stupidity's sake, it goes six. And I think I think Edmonton's going to bobble it, and LA's going to move on. And Whew. whoa, you're saying wow, he's saying LA wins two straight to advance. That's okay. You don't think McDavid's don't gonna know. have a good I, game the next couple? T- I don't know. Like I just, I just have a feeling that LA is just gonna go. It also will be hilarious to see uh, Oilers fans go absolutely fucking nuts because you have this core. Yep, sorry, you have this core as in fucking McDavid and Drysaddle, and you can't do anything with everybody around him. I mean, Vander Kane's doing well, but then again, that's because Vander Kane's Vander Kane. 
like you're gonna what? Go ahead. I was gonna say like I don't know what they would have to do in the offseason if they get if they get if they lose this right now. Do you keep the core? Because you've had success in the regular season, I guess. Like I don't know what what they would do. What in terms of fan support? Like I I feel like there are Canadian fans out there that root for a Canadian team no matter what, even if their team isn't in it. But I feel like at the same time now it's like obviously you have the Canadian teams that are in. The fan bases of the other teams just all go, yeah, wouldn't it be funny if they fucking lost and blew it in the first round to a yeah, team they shouldn't? But meanwhile, I'm the same one who's like, I don't know what the fuck we're going to we're gonna do, as in we, but like, as in the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to do, if they're in the same situation and we lose again. Which I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Because they're the back-to-back champs who still haven't, again, lost two fucking back-to-back playoff games in almost three years. Well, with that, everybody, we will wind things down so I can go hopefully watch the Bruins not lose to the Hurricanes. Leafs Lightning tonight as well. Again, the Montreal Canadiens have won the draft lottery. Shane Wright likely, very, very likely, to be a hab this summer, uh, which was the master plan, as we all knew. Go to the cup final, suck to get the number one overall pick. That's what everyone knew was going to happen. You know, Habs fans master classic that came to fruition. (laughs) Uh, boys, with that, I mean, same old, same old in terms of plugs. I don't know. And I'll throw it over to you. What do you got going on? Yeah. Uh, so I delayed my YouTube uh, live premiere uh, because I was just busy working on stuff. We'll see for two. I was a little behind in a little video. Uh, mostly working on new videos coming out. Uh, can we say what it is or no? Uh, yeah, as a reward for those who listen to the podcast. Go ahead. Yeah. Gretzky 05. The also known as the troubling story of how SDS kind of but didn't not really kind of become from something from 989 sports. Yeah, it's a really weird, bizarre history that 989 sports has and the little mini Gretzky series revival for sure. Yeah, that was actually my first ever hockey game on the PSP Gretzky NHL. I remember getting one for the PSP though. It was good. I got all the cheats so I'd have, um, Wayne Gretzky, uh, all four editions of him was like 1979, 1985, 1994, 1998, all on the same fucking first line. And then I'd get Robo Enforcer. So I'd have three, I'd have like, I had Gretzky at like center, right wing, left wing, left defenseman, and this Robo Enforcer just beat the crap out of people. It was, it was the greatest. And I had, uh, I had Ty Conklin in that because I'm a fucking loser. That reminds me of uh, my buddy uh, in one of the older NHL games. He would edit the rosters. He'd take like Ovechkin from the All Star team, Ovechkin from Team Russia, and he'd just have a fucking Ovechkin line. And, <laughs> and like you would just go through like a franchise mode with the Ovechkin line. Oh my god. One of my, my cousin used to do is remember back in uh, NHL when they had the Centennial team in the game for like five years straight? Legends, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, they had the, yeah. the Hab Centennial team in the game. Oh, never He yeah, would never always pick the fucking Centennials, no matter what. He was that scumbag, because he knew I was better than him at the game. So he would just pick and just run up the score. I'd be picking with the Leafs. And that was like the Allow shit. Allow it, though. If, he's, if, if, if you're he's better bad. than him, you got to do it. Yeah. Like, that's. So my buddy. Like, I... um, sorry. <laughs> my buddy Pocus, who I play music with. Um, he, he was, he, I would always play NHL with him. He was never, you know, I played it a shit ton he was never great at it, but 
Yeah, I would give him the Legends team. Like, you know, the when for the brief amount of time when EA had the Legends team. And I'd play with fucking Team Poland, who was like the worst ranked, uh, <laughs> the, pretty sure the lowest overall team in the game. And I'd still win, because like, <laughs> you just knew well, how to play the game. The thing is, that, like, I wasn't like amazing. I was like, maybe like slightly better than him if we played like on, on like regular teams. But he's like, no, I'm going to pick up, be like, do you even know who the fuck these people are? Do you know who John Beliveau is? He's like, no, nah, but he, his stats are like 99 skating. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, uh, more classic was... games coming for me on YouTube. I'm actually going to probably do a stream tomorrow. Uh, all streams for me are 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, except for when it's podcast day. So yeah. Take that will you will. Uh, YouTube.com uh, forward slash bunch of numbers. They don't have 100 subs yet. So, yeah. There you go. Get into um, I, I do need to mention I need to mention my story along those lines. Um, me and one of my best friends would play WWF No Mercy every day. And our other best friend never played it. So uh, it was uh, those two against one another and I was the special guest referee. And if our friend who never played it got a pinfall i would fast count it to try and make it fair <laughs> it's like if you let him land enough moves that you get fast counted that's your fault yeah. buddy and boy did he get pissed the one time he actually lost oh, oh my glorious sin what do you got going on sir aside from uh sickness and yeah. pc issues yeah well uh yeah, the the uh, Vancouver Canucks series is continuing despite the few days it's been without a video, simply because of all the computer issues I've been having. But yeah, the YouTube side of things, Sinful and Productions. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm tweeting a bit more because of the playoffs. Sin FTW Prod, and uh, of course, follow me on Instagram, Paul at Paul Cinders. That's my for all my music stuff, and I'm on Spotify as well uh, with my acoustic EP. And you can find me there at Paul Cinders. And my single is dropping this Saturday, May 14th. It's full instrumentation, kind of like a pop punk emo but with more of a modern twist on it so hope you guys enjoyed i played all the fucking instruments myself besides the keyboards i had my buddy come in and do that and he's god tier so yeah uh look out for that may 14th and that'll be on spotify as well you can also catch these two playing nhl 2k10 with me mm-hmm. on the uh the twitch side of things on a virtually a nightly basis uh I will mention as well, I mean, again, we, we have videos out on the YouTube side of things now. The main channel, of course, we had the uh, EA vs. 2K second episode going up, 2002 vs. 2K2. Check that out if you haven't. Um, we also had a video go up comparing the five NHL teams to never make the Stanley Cup final. And again, knocked it out of the park with the editing on that particular video. Uh, on the second channel, on the second channel as well, there's all my franchise mode stuff. That's where the 2K10 stuff will be as well. And uh, a new franchise mode starting up soon. I said it was going to be with the Boston Bruins. That's when they were down 0-2. There might be another team that's fucked up more than them, though. Maybe we use them instead. Maybe we do. Everybody, thank you again for listening to the Tookie Steak Podcast and or watching. Of course, in the video form on the YouTube side of things. We will see you all this Friday. Go Bruins. Score a goal, please. You're still down one to nothing. (laughs)